Uh, okay, a couple of housekeeping things. If you did not receive a what says review of Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon, single sheet of paper, just raise your hand and Caleb will make sure you get one. I, I tried to get a few, so there's quite a few. So Caleb, you're going to have a workout here. Uh, so he'll get them to you uh, in just a second. It's 12 questions that we're going to look at at the conclusion of our study together today. And uh, hopefully uh, it will help you. Uh, For those of you that still are traumatized from middle school or high school, you don't have to put your name on it. They are not going to be graded. And we're not going to publicly announce your score out of 12. So we won't post it on a bulletin board as to how many you got. So you don't have to, so put you at ease. It's just a review for your benefit. And uh, Caleb, I've got maybe a dozen more if you run out. The other thing, housekeeping thing, is this is the last uh, session on Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. And so we're going to wrap up and review, which means next week, which is a brand new month, is also a brand new quarter and a brand new teacher. Uh, and so there's a sheet of paper as you exit on the AB ledge, and at the top it says Harmony of the Gospels Weekly Reading List. So you can grab one of those where Lee is sitting as you exit to the right and uh, make sure you get one of those. Um, next week will be from readings from John, Matthew, as well as Luke. All right. While he's uh, getting those papers, one to Linda here. And again, uh, if for some reason you didn't get one, it's, it, it won't be, you won't be completely lost, but it would just be helpful for you to have, have one. Um, Okay, Philemon 23. Last week we looked at verse 22 uh, and highlighted kind of comically that the rules of hospitality in the first century are slightly different than that of the um, 21st century. Prepare a room for me. I'm going to come and visit you. Uh, Whereas we might say, is there there an opportunity or that you would allow me to come and spend some time with you. Let's go ahead and read verses 23 through 25. Uh, we covered a lot of this in our Colossians conclusion, but we're going to go back and review it very quickly, and then we'll get to our review. Uh, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. So those are verses 23 through 25. So let's just talk about this for just a couple of minutes. Just a couple of highlights or points here in verses 23 and 25. Um, One of the things that struck me is there's a couple of times where Paul uses the phrase, my fellow prisoner. And there may, and we put that in quotes, may be double meaning to that. Simply in the idea that he could be talking about a physical prisoner being uh, a, a part of Roman prisonership, or it could be simply that we are all prisoners of Christ, prisoners in the same way that we are conducting ourselves. Uh, the other thing in this particular, and I put up there Colossians 1 and Colossians 4 as parallel text for that as well. And if you, if you run out, Caleb, I've got more. Do you need more? No? Okay. I'll put them here in case you do. Um, what about Mark? Uh, I want to go back to Acts 13, verse 13. We may have read Acts 13, 13 
a couple of weeks ago when we were finishing up our study of Colossians. But uh, Acts 13, 13 is where Paul and his party set sail from Paphos. They came to Perga, Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. We know that Mark is also known as John Mark. Uh, so we see his presence uh, probably the most familiar reference to John Mark, uh, aside from his being a writer, is going to be in chapter 15 of the book of Acts, where the quartet of men split up into two different uh, duos, where you have John Mark, you have Barnabas, you have Silas, and you have, of course, Paul, the central character, all kind of having some sort of a, a disagreement and the point that we made a couple of weeks ago, I guess it was three weeks ago today, in our study of Colossians, is that even though we may have disagreements along the way, let's keep our focus on what the main thing. Someone said, keep the main thing, the main thing, the main thing. And that's what Paul seems to be doing here when he says, even though we had a disagreement back in Acts chapter 15, we are still on the same team. We're still doing the same thing. We're still engaged in the same kind of activities here. Uh, Aristarchus, you can go back. if you, We won't take the time to read those passages, but if you want to jot those down, makes an appearance in Acts 19.29, makes an appearance in Acts 27 verse 2. If nothing else, one of the reasons why I did this study the way that I did is, be, and the reason that I thought this was interesting is in studying this, I don't know up until some years ago that I would have made a connection that these people made an appearance in other places. But at some point it clicks that these are real people that had a real impact, not just in the salutation or exhortation of Paul in a letter to Colossae or to Philemon, but they had a real impact on what he did and they were important to his work. Demas may be one of the more infamous individuals. We know that as referenced in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he is one who ends up forsaking Paul. So if nothing else, and we talked about this three weeks ago, just because a person is on fire today for the Lord doesn't mean that they are going to be on fire for the Lord a month from now or a year from now. The point being that we have the responsibility of governing ourselves to make sure that, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, that we buffet our own bodies, that we behave ourselves, that we keep ourselves uh, pure in his sight. Luke, of course, is a writer. He is a physician. He also makes appearances in Colossians 4 and in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And then this is a letter about grace, and it ends with Paul's wish for grace. So the whole letter is really about him saying to Philemon, I hope that you are gracious when it comes to Onesimus. And that's really the the thrust of the letter. That's the heart of the letter. And that's where he ends by saying, the grace of the Lord be with you and, and be with your spirit. Uh, Other thoughts about verses 23 through 25, about the second half of Philemon, or about the entire book of Philemon that you wanted to make? Again, we just wanted to wrap up here. Other thoughts on Philemon? Okay. Uh, Thank you, Lee, for being at the ready. Um, 
Let's go ahead and talk briefly about four applications from Philemon that we've talked about or that we've hinted at that I want to make sure that we highlight here briefly. Number one is this, and that is we should make it our objective or make it our goal to do what the Lord asks because of our love for him, not merely because we have to. This is in many ways a love letter. And that may sound strange in the sense that it is a letter written from one man to another man, but it is about love. It's about grace. It's about graciousness. Um, My Bible has a little paragraph at the beginning of every book that provides a little synopsis or a little bit of a teaser as to what the book is about. And sometimes it's, it's like, oh, it's kind of neat. Sometimes it's like, oh, it's not very helpful. But the first question in my Bible, and in, in the, the version that I'm reading from, or at least the, the editor, is does Christian brotherly love really work, even in situations of extraordinary tension and difficulty? And that's what Philemon is, is ultimately about. Philemon is being tested how much do you love Onesimus? How much do you love brethren in general? How much do you love Christ? How much are you gracious? And so all of that comes into play here. So our goal in doing what God asks us to do should be because we love him and we love the brethren, not simply checking a box because we have to. Secondly, um, without God's grace, there's grace again. And without our obedience... We are truly unprofitable. And I use that word purposely because that's a word that Paul uses in his uh, letter to Philemon. That we are, who he who was once unprofitable is now profitable and very useful for you. I thought that was kind of an interesting way of thinking about it. Three, as much as depends on us, let's make sure that the gospel is preached and have the mindset of Paul. We will... We have seven big final takeaways from from our studies of the three prison letters that we're we're talking about. That's one of them. Paul says, it doesn't matter what state I'm in. It doesn't matter what prison I'm in. It doesn't matter if I'm free or I'm enslaved. It doesn't matter whether things are going great for me or things are going poorly for me. I'm going to preach the gospel because that matters more than anything else. And then the fourth and final thing is that grace matters. And we need to be really thankful for it. Anything else on Philemon before we kind of uh, take the microscope and go up a little bit and look at all three letters in conclusion? Anything else on Philemon that we haven't talked about in the last two and a half weeks? All right. So I wanted to spend the rest of our time uh, reviewing the prison epistles that we're talking about here uh, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. We'll get to the questions here in just a Actually, let's do the questions first, and then we will uh, do the key takeaways, prison letter reviews in just a second here. Uh, let's go through these. And the goal is, uh, if without looking, if you'd be able to figure out if it's Philippians, Colossians, or Philemon, but... As always, when it comes to Bible study, it's an open book test. You can always use the book to to help. So we're going to go through them real quickly here, and then we'll go back through them and give you a chance. So Some of you have had a chance uh, to go through the 12, and you've already answered them. 
uh, and you already know you're 100% right because you looked. Some of you are just now looking at it for the first time. So number one is the explicit address to elders and deacons in a singular church. And when we talked about this, we said that this is one of the places, and in fact, I referenced it in a sermon just two weeks ago, or maybe, yeah, two weeks ago, on the idea of church organization. So is that Philippians, Colossians, or Philemon? We'll come back to that here in just a second. Number two, uh, a runaway slave coming back to his previous owner. Uh, I would hasten to say that if you don't get number two right, uh, I'm not sure where you've been for the last two and a half weeks, three weeks, because that's what we've been talking about. So I'll give you a hint there. Number three, uh, Yodia and Syntyche, they make an appearance in one of those books, and we'll talk briefly about the lesson that we learned from them here in just a second. Number four, which letter specifically talks about putting off or putting to death the old man and putting on a new man? Number five, which of the three books talks about singing with thanksgiving in your hearts to God? Number six, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me is a direct quote from which of those three books? Number seven, if he has wronged you, charge it to my account is a direct statement from a particular book. Number eight, Forgetting what's behind, reaching forward to what's ahead is, is pretty much a direct statement, but it's certainly a direct concept from one of those books. Uh, one of them has particular instructions or comments about marriage, husbands, and wives. Uh, Aphia and Archippus make an appearance in one of the books. Number 11, look out for the interests of others, not just for yourself. And number 12, you too have a master in heaven. Pretty much a direct quote from one of those books. So then we went through them quickly, but hopefully you wrote down at least a guess or you've made a guess in your mind as to what they are. And hopefully I would say you get at least half right. Let's, we'll, we'll shoot for the stars and get at least half right. And that way you've somewhat, if nothing else, this forces us back into the text over the last 12 weeks as to what we come to. All right. Uh, number one, which book is talks about elders, deacons, and saints? Philippians. And we'll give bonus points if you can identify the chapter and verse. And that one's pretty easy. It's Philippians 1.1, right? Philippians 1.1 is where Paul... And this is a... Uh, just heard a sermon a couple days ago in a gospel meeting where someone used this verse, and I think rightly so, to point out that... There are to be elders, there are to be deacons, there are to be saints in every location. Um, that's the way God has designed it. All right. Number two, which book is about a runaway slave coming back to his previous owner? And that's the book of Philemon. What's the name of that slave? Onesimus. Uh, depending on how you pronounce it, those of us from Indiana with our Indiana dialect probably say it a little bit differently than those of you here in Tennessee. When I was in California for 12 years, they said I had an accent. Now that I'm back in the Midwest, Mid-South, I feel no one's going to insult me on my dialect. Number three, Yodia and Syntyche make an appearance in what book? They make an appearance in Philippians in chapter 4, correct? Am I right? I, I didn't write down my answer, so I'm going through. Yeah, chapter 4. And he basically says to these two women, I hope you get along. 
Um, I want you to work out your differences. We don't know exactly what the issue was between those two women, but one of the points or applications that we made is that in any church where you've got more than two people, where you've got more than one person, you're, you have the opportunity for difficulties, interpersonal relationships, and I think we talked a little bit about um, uh, that sometimes you have churches where people just are um, unable to get along with one another and they're just not very kind and not very pleasant to one another. And we, we don't know exactly what was going on there in Philippians 4, but it's one of the few places where you kind of pull back the curtains with the book of Philippians and you see that not everything was perfect because there's no such thing as a perfect congregation of the Lord's people. All right, number four, putting off or putting to death the old man makes an appearance where? Colossians. You can make an argument for chapter one. You can certainly make an argument for chapter two as well. I have likened the book of Colossians and I've, I've, in studies that I've done before, and I may have mentioned this a few weeks ago, that Colossians has a concept that is in many ways kind of violent. We are to put to death that old man and bury him, not to be resurrected again. But what do we choose to do? We, we like to resurrect him. We like to bury him with at least one hand out of the grave so that we can pull him back because we're comfortable with the old man and his old ways and old style and all that kind of good stuff, all that bad stuff. Number five, singing with thanksgiving in your hearts to the Lord. Colossians and chapter 3 verse 16, right? Chapter 3 verse 16 is probably one of the, the uh, best known verses in Colossians. It's a place that we turn to to talk about why it is that we sing, we uh, worship God with music as opposed to instrumental or mechanical instruments. Uh, Colossians 3 verse 17 uh, is also a familiar verse that says, whatever you do in word or deed, do some in the name of the Lord. No, it says do all in the name of the Lord. So the authority of Jesus is paramount to everything. All right. Number six, probably a favorite verse of at least a, a half a dozen of some of you. If, you. if I were to say, what is your favorite verse? Some of you would say Philippians 4, 13. So I gave it away, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, that being said, um, we need to make sure that we understand that in Philippians chapter 4, that the, we appreciate a couple of things. The context He's talking about the Philippians helping out financially and having fellowship with him and providing for him. Um, but also Philippians, remember, is a letter that talks a lot about rejoicing, a lot about happiness, a lot about contentment, even in spite of all the difficulties that Paul was experiencing or has experienced. All right. Number seven. If he has wronged you, charge it to my account. That is Philemon. That's Paul speaking to Philemon about Onesimus. And it's interesting because if we weren't studying Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon, is there another place in the New Testament where that statement is 
uh, almost made. And this, this is one of those, guess what I'm thinking. There's a certain story taught by Jesus. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Remember in, in, in the story of the Samaritan that uh, was more neighborly, more righteous, more of what Christ was about, who said when he took that man that had been beaten and put him up in the inn, he says, if, you know, he doesn't say if, he, if he's wronged you, but if he has cost you anything, charge that to my account. So you, someone may look at that and say, well, that's a good Samaritan. Well, that's, that's not exactly true. That's, it's, it's a different thing we're talking about today. All right. Number eight, forgetting what's behind, reaching forward to what's ahead is Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13. And I think I confess to all of you in our study of that seven weeks ago, that's probably my favorite chapter of the whole Bible is Philippians 3. And that's probably one of my favorite verses. I just like that Paul is so optimistic and it's so universally uh, applicable that there are, everybody has stuff in their past that they would like to forget, but you can't. Mistakes you've made, regrets, um, whatever the case may be. And he says, just focus on the future, having repented of the past, and move, move to that. Number nine, which one has instructions to wives and husbands? Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 through about verse 25. And we talked about that only briefly. We are really familiar with Colossians 3. We're also familiar with uh, the parallel text in Ephesians chapter 5. And we only spent a short time on that. Number 10, Aphia and Archippus are individuals who appear early in the book of... This may be a trick question. Or maybe I got it wrong. They make an appearance in Philemon, of course. Do they make an appearance in Colossians as well? Yes, they do. At least Archippus does. So just disregard that question. Just take 10 and just put a line right through it. It proves you're smarter than me, which we don't need much proof of that. All right. Number 11, look out for the interests of others, not just for yourselves. You can make the argument that that's in all the books, right? That's, That's the New Testament. But there's a particular thing I was thinking of. Yeah, I was thinking of Philippians, particularly chapter 2, where uh, let this mindset be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who put on the form of a bondservant, um, did not consider it robbery to have been equal with God. But if you back up to verses 2, 3, and 4, it says, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others, esteeming others better than yourselves. And then number 12, you too have a master in heaven is Colossians, right? Remember Colossians 4, first couple of verses where he's talking about um, actually Colossians 3, the tail end, and Colossians 4, the the first couple of verses where he's talking about the um, concept of if you are a master, you need to make sure that you are kind to those who are under your authority 
because you too have a master in heaven as well. It's one of those principles of first century slavery and certainly that makes uh, application to what we're trying to do in, in employee-employer relationships today. All right, any uh, questions or uh, comments about the, the review that we've done thus far before we get to our prison letters reviewed? All right. Before we get to that, because we've got a couple extra minutes here built in that I didn't think we were going to have, why do we study these letters? And we've already kind of given that. But um, So at some point, the elders and the deacons set out and kind of crafted that we would study these three letters together. Why? What's the purpose of all this? Edification is a key part of that. Remember, we talked about the edification is the idea of building up one another, the idea of an edifice, the idea of a building, and that's why we do that. And we learn, if, if you aren't encouraged by Colossians, Philippians, and Philemon, then you, over the course of 13 weeks, um, then I'm not sure what happened. So, so, so somewhere we went wrong. It may be that you didn't get every particular point or you don't memorize every application or you don't memorize every scripture that we've memorized, but these are encouraging, edifying passages. Why else did we study this? What, what did we get from this 13-week study? Romans 12, 1 and 2 talks about being transformed. This is part of that process. Excellent. Romans 12 says that we are to be transformed. That requires effort on our part, right? That's not something that just happens. Uh, it's, it's like uh, when we learned in, about osmosis in science, we thought, well, we could just put the book underneath the pillow and just lay on it, and it would just seep into our brain. But that's not the way Bible study works. Um, instead, you've got to open it, you've got to read it, you've got to read it again, and then read it again. And let's, and let's be honest with ourselves in the sense that we have read Philippians and Colossians and Philemon probably dozens of times in our lives, especially those of you that have been Christians for 30, 40, 50 years. You've read these books before, but yet one of the great things about Bible study and one of the things that we point out as to why it's important to study our Bibles is because every time you read, you find something new or you see it from a, maybe from a different angle. And that's one of the benefits of Bible, Bible study and teaching classes is different than preaching. They both have their important places. But we have tried to be very open and to engage in the comments of one another so that we can benefit from one another. Because everybody has a different, um, uh, not, not a different take in terms of a different doctrine, but a different angle in looking at something. So edification... Transformation. Let's come up with a third. Why did we study this? We did it for our edification. We did it for the part of transformation. What's a third reason that we studied these letters? I would argue, and I hadn't thought about this until you'd set this up the way that you set it up, by edification, uh, transformation, but for glorification. We are trying to glorify God. 
And the only way that we do so is by putting on the mindset of Jesus, Philippians chapter 2. Putting to death the old man, Colossians chapter 2. Practicing true brotherly love wherein we are willing to say, you know what? This is not necessarily what's best for me financially or physically, but it's best for me spiritually, the book of Philemon. So you see how all these books have now worked together with a constant theme, not just in terms of who their author was or where he was writing from, but the broader message of what he was trying to share. All right. Anything else on Philippians, Colossians, or Philemon? Now we're giving you the whole three books to, to comment on before we get to our final applications. All right. Prison Letters Reviewed. I came up with seven big things that uh, we came up with. Uh, some of these are going to be repeats of what we talked about in the last uh, 12 and a half weeks. And some of them are going to be new and just because these are my seven big takeaways don't mean that they are the only seven. We'll give you the opportunity to make uh, reference to your own in just a minute. Number one is it strikes me that perspective matters in terms of even in difficult circumstances, we are to practice rejoicing. That's got Philippians written all over it. But it also has Colossians written all over it. And it has Philemon written all over it as well. Even when you are in prison, you rejoice. Remember Paul and Silas, what they did back in Acts chapter 16 at midnight? These were individuals that practiced what they preached. Paul was an individual who practiced what he, what he was preaching. He wasn't just preaching about rejoicing, but himself being a man who was unwilling to rejoice. He says, you know what? I have learned in every state that I am to, to learn to be content. And I, those two words that we've used, one is learning and the other is practice. This isn't something that comes just overnight, nor is it something that happens second nature. We have to practice rejoicing. And I was thinking about this um, we have to rejoice even when we get bad news. I got a letter uh, a, a week and a half ago from uh, a government agency that happens to have three letters. Starts with an I, has an S at the end. You can guess the middle letter. And I was excited to get that letter. I had made a mistake, and it was a couple thousand dollar mistake. So now you all feel sorry for me, but that's okay. It's okay. It, was, it wasn't a big deal. Just money. That's what David and I... Dave and I have that discussion all the time. Just money. So, um, you know, but at least I have employment. At least I have the opportunity to be taxed on my income. <laughs> Look at it. Look at these things the, the, uh, the right way, right? So... We have bad things that happen to us. We have difficulties in our lives. We have challenging circumstances, and all of us have them. Financial, physical, health, family. We have to rejoice even when it's difficult to rejoice. And I'm not about to say that I have mastered that. I'm just saying that I'm practicing it, and I'm working on learning that behavior. Those are the two verbs, practicing and learning. So perspective matters even in difficult circumstances. Number two even in Rome, even in prison, even with his freedoms limited, Paul sought out opportunities to teach and preach the gospel. And Philemon uh, and Onesimus is a perfect example of this. Onesimus is one who it seems that Paul uh, engaged in a relationship with him while he was in Rome. 
uh, and was able to teach him and able to work with him. And I think uh, someone made the comment maybe two weeks ago, maybe in this study or it was in a different study, just because a person has a messy situation doesn't mean that we say, I can't work with them, I can't teach them, so I'm not going to use my energy in teaching them. Uh, I used the example of Jose and Christina uh, a, a year or so ago, but a young couple who uh, had some challenges in their life and certainly in the choices that they had made, but yet they were teachable. And it was refreshing to me that, wow, even in spite of me looking at them and saying, maybe they're not interested in the gospel message, they still wanted to learn and obeyed the gospel accordingly. So we cannot prejudge or precast people, uh, but always seek those opportunities to teach and to do good. Number three, having the mind of Christ is essential in being his followers and the examples of that which is good. And Philippians 2 is huge there. Uh, if we have time, we're going to go back and read Philippians chapter 2, the first dozen verses or first half a dozen verses. So just because I think it's going to be a good way to close out our study together today. And number four from lessons learned from these letters is that specific, meaningful, purposeful, targeted prayer and thanksgiving go hand in hand. We talked about that a lot. You cannot just be, we, we cannot, and I'm, I'm guilty of it, uh, praying to God saying, give me, help me, provide for me, without also saying, thank you for all the good that you have done. I have to, I have, to have that thankfulness to God that is accompanied. And um, again, going back to learning in whatever state you are to be content and practicing or learning real joy uh, in spite of difficulties is the notion that even when things go bad, even when things aren't going well, I'm still going to be thankful to God. Because even when you get a, a, a unfortunate letter in the mail or you find out unfortunate news at the doctor's office or you hear of a loved one who's really struggling with their physical health, whatever the case may be, there are always reasons to be thankful. And I think if we remember that, it'll really, really help in our lives. In fact, I know it will, because that's the pattern of the New Testament. Number five, the book of Colossians was all about Jesus Christ. We said that it is the most Christ-centered epistle of the New Testament. It is huge in that it's all about Jesus the Christ, the Anointed One. He's at the center of everything that we are and everything that we are to be. We need to make sure that we keep him the center of what we are. Um, some of you are familiar with the uh, marriage triangle. It's an isosceles triangle, right? which has Christ at the top, and then it has the husband and the wife at the bottom left and right. And the whole point of that is, is the further you get away from Christ, the further you get away from each other. The closer you get to Christ, the, the more uh, closer you're drawn to each other. That's just one of the many ways that we could look at Colossians as being very Christ-centric, Christ-focused. Number six, 
speak with grace. We talked a lot about grace in Colossians 4. We talked about it in Philemon verse 25. We talked about it uh, early on in the book of Colossians. We talked about it a little bit in the book of Philippians. But there must be grace in our speech. And we must practice that. Um, And again, that's not something that happens just overnight. But rather it is something that transpires over time with our work. And then number seven, never underestimate the value of being freed from slavery to sin. And be thankful for that. And of course I have Philemon on my mind when I wrote that. and, And created that. Other big takeaways... Uh, other big lessons, anything we've left undone that you wanted to share in our final three or four minutes here. All right, let's go back to Philippians chapter two. And I want to end in Philippians two. There's so many places that we could go back and reread and say, that's, that's kind of a nice bookend to our study together. But I want to use Philippians chapter two um, because the language is beautiful The message is applicable. It is straightforward. It is easy to understand. And in many ways, it kind of uh, uh, composes everything we've talked about today and for the last 13 weeks. Therefore, verse 1. This is after he talked about worthy conduct of the gospel. He says, therefore, if there is any consolation... Some versions use the word encouragement in Christ. If any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same mind, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And then one more verse, verse 8. Being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Those are timeless words. And it talks about Jesus as being perfect and being the one who sacrificed for us. Anything else? Or we'll close there. All right. Appreciate all of your good attention. Thank you for all the good comments. I really appreciate it. I've enjoyed teaching this. Do pick up on the A.B. Ledge Harmony of the Gospels weekly reading list as you exit. Thank you all so very much.